nice to see all of you this morning. Um, so with today being a national, what was it? National Ice Pop Freezer Day. Um, uh, I thought we would talk about something that we all have a passion for in our hearts, telehealth. Uh, at least I do. I really enjoy telehealth. I enjoyed it before it was popular, just so you know. Um, I definitely feel like telehealth is the wave of the, the future. Um, fun story, I was presenting on telehealth about four years ago and I had set my family up and, and was explaining to them telehealth. Okay, so maybe I was, uh, you know, previewing my presentation to the family. And I have a son who's in his 20s. And he said, whoa, 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 mom, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, you're, you're telling me about telehealth here, but you've got it all wrong. And I said, oh, really? I, I mean, you know, of course I've got it wrong. He's, you know, a, a Gen Zer. Um, and he said, that's not how it works. Uh, really, it, it's very simple. You make an appointment on your phone and they give you a time and then you just log in from your phone and you see the doctor and they they tell you know you tell you what's wrong with them and they call in a prescription you pick it up at Walgreens or CVS on your way home i hadn't realized that 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 generation has been using telehealth already for quite some time they use all these telehealth services and things but um so that was my little eye opener that we've really been using telehealth for a long time. And those of you out in California, you've been using telehealth for so very long that this is old news to you. There was no surprise last year during the public health emergency. So speaking of the public health emergency, we, we definitely last year were slam dunked into telehealth. You know, when we went on lockdown and, and there was no way for our patients to see their providers, telehealth came to the rescue. But there's some things about telehealth that you need to understand. So telehealth and telemedicine, those are two words that are used interchangeably. And of course, during the short time that we have together today, in 30 minutes, I can't possibly go over absolutely everything about telehealth, right? So if you want more information, uh, we'll have a link at the end that you can reach out and we can talk more about telehealth. But I do want to give you just like the the main bullet points. So um, the biggest payer out there that really had uh, some strong restrictions on telehealth were as Medicare. Medicare, of course, has so many restrictions when it comes to different things. We rely on our um, LCDs and NCDs when it comes to what we're billing out to Medicare. And uh, you know we're careful to dot our I's and cross our T's because they have a very specific way that they want things done. So when we're looking at telehealth, you have to understand that telehealth is just using electronic information or telecommunications to provide healthcare, right? So that's basic, telehealth is the, the entire way that we do it. And telemedicine, that's the actual remote diagnosing, monitoring, treating patients. But you know, in these days, we use telehealth and tele telemedicine interchangeably all the time. Um, so there are five rules to Medicare reimbursement when it comes to telehealth. And that's really what, what we look at. So we need to look at the originating site location, the originating site type, and the distance site providers, whether it was synchronous or asynchronous, and what are the covered services. So right now we're still under the public health emergency and so many of these requirements that we're going to talk about have been waived 
But as soon as the public health emergency is over, and it will be soon, I, I have faith, um, then we're going to revert back to these old rules. Now, I can assure you that Congress is on this. Congress has been working very hard to make uh, most of these telehealth waived services permanent, uh, part of the permanent rule of telehealth. But at this time, we, we know that we're gonna go back to the way things were at some point, and we need to understand what are those expectations. So again, the first one that I shared with you was the original originating site location. And this is where that Medicare patient, that Medicare beneficiary is located at the time that the services are being provided. So they need to be either um, outside of a metropolitan statistical area or located in a rural health uh, professional shortage area. And Medicare has done a great job of providing us with a eligibility analyzer. And uh, here's a link to that analyzer. Of course, every link that we show on our uh, coding and coffee is always available on YouTube. So when you go to YouTube later and you like our page, you'll find these links uh, to all these references that we talk about during coding and coffee. So whether it be for today or any previous one, you know where to find those. But the, the Medicare eligibility analyzer is really great. You just plug in the person's address and it lets you know whether or not that person is eligible for telehealth services based on uh, either being, again, outside of a metropolitan statistical area or within a rural health professional shortage area. The second thing that's a part of telehealth is the distance site type. So where the patient must be located. So again, not during public health emergency, during regular times, the patient has to be located at a physician or a practitioner's office or maybe in a hospital or a critical access hospital, rural health clinic, um, a skilled nursing facility, maybe a community mental health center, a, a renal dialysis facility, um, or a mobile stroke unit. So uh, those are the types of areas that the patient has to be located at while receiving telehealth services. The other one is the distance site provider. And so, uh, the distance site providers are those who can furnish and get paid for regular services for Medicare, including those services that are deemed telehealth services. So again, that's going to be subject to their credentialing with Medicare or their enrollment with the Medicare, as well as any state laws. And so usually we consider physicians, uh, physician assistants, nurse practitioners, midwives, clinical nurse specialists, uh, registered nurse anesthetists. Those were just upgraded to the NPP or the non-physician practitioner list. Um, clinical psychologists, clinical social workers, registered dietitian, and a lot of our nutritional professionals. So that's who are covered in this distance site provider who can do telehealth services. Um, the, the, the other part, the other component is going to be that uh, these services must be done synchronously. So synchronous means that it's live, real time, face to face communication between the provider at the distant site and the patient at the originating site. And we have to make sure that we're using a software, a communication software that is HIPAA compliant. 
So we'll talk about the, again, some of the waived services and some of the waived things that are happening right now in the public health emergency. But again, I think it's important that you know what the rule is so that you can appreciate what those waivers are that we're being offered and that we can participate in at this time. So again, part of telehealth, the rule for telehealth is that we must have synchronous unless you are living in Alaska or Hawaii, and then you can do an asynchronous or something that is stored and forward, recorded, and then sent the recording sent to the uh, provider that's performing the telehealth services. There is a modifier GQ that must be used when we're providing any telehealth services in Alaska or Hawaii. Um, next, the, the last component of this is that it must be a covered Medicare telehealth service. And so there is a link that you can go to and download the most current telehealth services. Now, on the permanent telehealth list, there are 109 approved telehealth services. But right now, during the public health emergency, 163 other services were added. Now, those will expire at the end of the public health emergency, um, and 56 of those are going to extend through the year that the public health emergency ends. So again, if for some reason the public health emergency ends in October, 56 of those different telehealth services will again continue to be paid telehealth via telehealth until the end of the year. So right now, there's a total of 272 services that can be provided via telehealth during the public health emergency. And that link there takes you to the telehealth services. It downloads a, an Excel spreadsheet that you can filter and you can look at which services are available um, for the public health emergency and then which services are part of that permanent telehealth service list. Um, so you've heard me talk and talk and talk about the waiver that is in place because of the public health emergency. So um, at the beginning of the emergency back in March of last year, Section 1135B of the Social Security Act was enacted. This was already there. This was a, a, a waiver exclusion that was already part of the Social Security Act to be able to, to perform services that aren't usually paid by Medicare, but under extreme circumstances like our public health emergency, they were able to perform those services. So uh, under the 1135 Act, they expanded many different things for us. So first of all, they said that the waiver will allow for uh, Medicare services to be provided in all areas of the country. So we can do telehealth for anybody in the country, doesn't have to be in that uh, outside of a metropolitan statistical area or part of that HIPSA um, demographic. So right now during the public health emergency, the demographic the site requirements have been lifted. So services can be performed while the patient is in their home. And they have found so many wonderful um, things in medicine about being able to get a glimpse inside the patient's home where they're actually living. I was speaking to a dermatologist yesterday and I reminded them that um, another provider had given testimony to Congress that by looking at the patient, they were able to see through the window and see there was a plant that was blooming that had been causing all of the problems that this patient had had, derma, you know, dermatological 
problems that they had had, um, that they were apparently allergic to it. And had they never seen that through the window, they would have never known. Um, and they were able to provide that patient with much needed relief for the condition they were suffering from. So again, services can be provided in the patient's home under the waiver. Um, it, services can be provided to new patients under the waiver. So again, it doesn't necessarily have to be an established patient to perform telehealth services while we're under the waiver, but you must document that there was consent by the patient to receive services via telehealth. So again, in your progress note, or maybe there is a separate consent form that you reference in your progress note, in the progress notes there, that the patient consented to receiving these services via telehealth. Um, telehealth services, the provider can actually be in their home providing telehealth services to the patient who's also in their home. Again, this is during the waiver. And the place of service that is reported should be the place of service that the patient would normally be seen by the provider. So if they're seen in the office, we would be reporting place of service 11 for the, our patients. Um, telehealth now expands even further under the waiver, under those waived services there. It expands out beyond those providers that would usually be able to perform telehealth services. So now our physical therapists, occupational therapists, speech language pathologists, they can all perform telehealth services under the waiver. Um, another thing is that the Office of Civil Rights, the Department of Health and Human Services, they issued an enforced discretionary notice, meaning that during the public health emergency, providers could use their telephones and some of those more popular applicants to provide that two-way interactive audio video communication. So again, um, it didn't necessarily have to be a HIPAA compliant software during the public health emergency, they approved, again, under enforcement discretion, right? They approved uh, Apple FaceTime and Facebook Messenger, Google Hangout, Zoom, Skype. They said that they, you cannot use any of the rear facing applications like Facebook Live or Twitch or TikTok or any of those applications, because again, that's showing uh, a lot of the outside view it's it's beyond just the view of the patient there so um we had some discretionary notifications at that time at this time that we can use the types of softwares during the public health emergency i can't stress that enough guys these are the things that we're going to lose at this time if they were to lift the public health emergency today again congress is working really hard um, if you can reach out to any of your congressmen and, and give your support that all these temporary waivers, waived uh, requirements are lifted so that permanently we can provide telehealth services, um, that would be awesome. That's how you can participate in it. The waiver also allowed us to do a lot of telephone only. So again, just an audio only service. Um, evaluation and management have their own set of codes 99441 through 99443 to report those audio only visits. Behavioral health counseling, educational services were also added to the telehealth, uh, the, excuse me, the telehealth list from Medicare. Um, 
And those, again, were by telephone only, audio only, they allowed those. So again, if you go to that website, download the Excel spreadsheet, you can filter on the spreadsheet, those services that were allowed to be performed during the public health emergency um, under audio only. So those are that's awesome there. Uh, even your annual wellness visits are allowed to be audio only or through telehealth. So those primary care providers are still able to capture that picture of the patient that we talked about last week. Um, other services that were given the waiver to be done audio only were speech therapy, uh, medical nutritional therapy, uh, and a lot of the preventive screenings that we do with our patients, those were also added to that telephone only list. Um, during the public health emergency, there was another little thing that was added to that waiver, the 1135 waiver, and that was the direct supervision. So normally direct supervision means that the provider must be in the office to provide immediate assistance if needed. So um, what the waiver allows is that the provider now can be immediately available via audio video communication. They don't have to be in the office. So for uh, services that are provided by that nurse practitioner, physician assistant, maybe on an incident two reporting billing uh, benefit that we also talked about on another one of our uh, off, uh, coding and coffees, those can be at this moment during the public health agency, they can be done with the provider available via audio video communication. Um, none of the other requirements of Incident 2 are, are waived, so please take a look at that recording that we have on Incident 2 about the requirements when reporting something Incident 2. There are some modifiers that were released during the public health emergency. If you are performing services via telehealth, so that audio video component, not just the audio component. For those services that are performed via telehealth from Medicare, they're requiring the modifier 95. Now, a lot of the commercial payers, um, they want things reported a little bit different. Make sure that you are communicating with them whether they want the place of service to be different or whether they requiring a modifier when submitting claims. But for Medicare purposes, during the public health emergency, we are to report telehealth with the place of service that the patient would have usually been seen at. Um, and then we would also add the modifier 95. 95 indicates that the service was provided via telehealth. Um, there is a wonderful MedLearn matter out there SE20011, that one would be added to the YouTube uh, description there so you can access it. Um, that gives us a lot of billing information during the public health emergency. Um, the modifier CR was also, this is for non-telehealth services, which the uh, we're, we're waiving that um, financial responsibility, so that CR modifier, that that cost savings modifier there. So again, telehealth is such an amazing component that we have available to us. Uh, I have heard just wonderful things. I did have the pleasure of sitting in on the, the Congressional Subcommittee for telehealth, and I heard some wonderful testimony all over the country of the benefits that telehealth has provided to patients, especially during this public health emergency where they could receive 
follow-up services for their stable conditions. Um, they can receive some of their post-op visits when they're having no complications. Those, um, those acute visits that, that a patient is seen for that don't require a hands-on type of uh, examination to be performed, those can also be done via telehealth. Or even I, I've heard that there were patients that presented with acute symptoms that maybe the provider was able to do an evaluation and management and order some testing to be done and then following up with the patient in the office. So lots of benefits there with telehealth. Um, another component of telehealth is this is a great opportunity to fill those schedules when you have some no-shows. You can fill them by performing some telehealth services for those patients maybe that um, you know, would be appropriate to be seen telehealth, and that way you're not losing any revenue for that time that maybe there was a no-show. So it's always a good backup to have to see your patients. So we have a few minutes here, and I would love to see your questions, guys. Um, your questions and comments and um, how I can help you this morning with your telehealth billing or your telehealth questions. And uh, don't forget, if we want to continue telehealth, we're going to have to reach out to our congressmen and show our support in telehealth. Uh, I think we're on the right path. I think it's here to stay. I, um, a lot of the commercial payers have joined with many of the telehealth companies that perform services exclusively via telehealth. I know that we have uh, MD Live, we have our, our web docs. So we have a lot of those different services that perform telehealth services. Many ones like that my son told me about a few years ago that he'd been using for quite some time. And, and I don't think that he's actually been in a provider's office in probably the last five or six years. Everything is done via telehealth for him because his conditions don't necessarily require him to go into an office. And so he's been very benefited, that's benefited him quite a bit. Um, and I've seen a lot of commercials lately for services, you know, prescriptions, conditions that can be managed via telehealth or having either um, that interactive live, interactive video communication visit, and sometimes even just an online visit. So that's becoming more and more popular, more and more utilized in this healthcare community. So how about some questions, everybody? I, I see here in the chat box, we have so many people that joined us for Cody and Coffee today. I love to see all of you here. I'm very curious to see what your questions are. So Tara, Tara comes to me and says, are there any modifiers required for physician phone calls or place of service code besides 11. So Tara, for phone calls, they have their very own proprietary CPT code. So again, that's that 99441 through 99443 for evaluation and management. And they do not require any additional modifier because the CPT description itself states that that service is being performed via telephone audio only. So it's not required. The place of service, again, is the place of service that you would normally have seen the patient at. So if it's in the office that you would have normally seen the patient, then place of service 11. If it's an assisted living community or a nursing facility, you would use those appropriate place of services for seeing the patient. 
So um, if you are using any of the other codes that have been allowed audio only, there isn't a modifier that has been assigned to indicate that this was an audio only visit. So, um, but I do require, you, do, you are required to do that consent the documentation. So again, either in the progress note itself that the patient has consented to a telephone only visit or that you have a consent form that's referenced in the progress note. Um, that way we can go to that, that, that uh, consent and make sure that that consent was indeed documented. So how about some more questions, guys, about telehealth? Um, we have an amazing telehealth program at Sterling Global Solutions that we've developed that can be implemented into your particular practice and can help you take advantage of telehealth services. Again, some of these services will end at the end of the public health emergency unless Congress passes them, fingers crossed, looking good that they will. Um, but this is a great revenue, again, for those patients that maybe are being seen for a follow-up visit um, and they don't have any exacerbation of their chronic conditions or that don't require that in-depth physical exam. Uh, again, in the case of my son, he has allergies. And so there's really no, not a lot of physical exam that they would do other than looking at his sinuses, of course, but if he is managed with medication well and he's not having any exacerbation, those follow-up visits sometimes can be really easy. And uh, But implementing a good telehealth program in your practice, you can tap into that uh, revenue option that maybe you're not looking at at this time. So please feel free to reach out to us. Um, again, any other questions this morning? We still have a few minutes left, and I'm curious to know, are you doing telehealth in practice? Is it Were you doing it more last year during the public health emergency? Is it something that maybe has fizzled out a little bit in your practice, or are you still using telehealth? I would be curious to know. So any of you that are on today, you want to share that information? Um, we will be doing coding and coffee again next week. It, we are very subjective here at Sterling Global. So you've let us know what you want to hear. Um, again, just either send us an email. You can email me at, at chall at Sterling Global Solutions, or you can reach us through social media. We're on Facebook. We are on LinkedIn. We are on Instagram. Um, and please make sure that you are liking our YouTube page and then that way you'll be notified immediately as soon as we upload any videos. So we are, will be uploading uh, many webinars and videos on certain topics. All of the things that we talk about on coding and coffee are all available on our YouTube channel. So please make sure that you're liking our channel. Um, that's wonderful. I'm getting some great things. So Jeanette says that in her practice, they're still doing about two telehealth services per week. You know, uh, I think that that's wonderful. I would love to see practices increasing their use of telehealth. Um, again, I, out in California, they've been doing it a long time. Here in the other states, I see that telehealth is being used quite a bit in the mental health world. Of course, I think that's wonderful. 
Um, it gives you a good insight, and it also leaves their, the patients in those comfortable environments there, in their home environment, while we're discussing issues of mental health. Also, substance abuse is another area that telehealth is utilized in quite a bit for patients. And so if you're doing any of those services in your practice, you might want to increase your telehealth presence with your patients. So I think that's wonderful, wonderful news. Um, I have another question here that is asking about um, telehealth services for, let me see, telehealth services in the hospital. Yes, there are a lot of telehealth hospital codes that are available to be reported. Again, if you go to that website, the CMS website for telehealth, um, and again, today we were talking about from a Medicare perspective on telehealth. Um, even some of the Medicare Advantage programs, they have a little more leniency and flexibility when it comes to telehealth. I recommend that if you add that question to all of your, um, when you're asking about benefits, patient benefits, you know, when you have your front office staff questioning whether they're eligible and benefits, ask the, the payer if they cover telehealth services and if there's a separate place where telehealth services needs to have claims submitted to. So that way you're able to capture those telehealth visits if that's appropriate for that patient. There are a few other services that are out there. We still have remote patient um, monitoring out there that is fantastic. I hope that all practices are taking advantage of that, especially with the new technology that is out there and available. Many of those remote patient monitoring devices, they interface with your EMRs, your electronic medical records, so you're able to capture that real-time data from your patients, um, and there's a reimbursement for that. So a lot of reimbursement when it comes to other remote services, and we can talk about that on another so, day. If you have any questions that you think about after the fact, please feel free to reach out if we can help you develop your telehealth program in your practice, please again, feel free to reach out. Uh, that's my email address there, Christine Halsey Hall at sterlingglobalsolutions.com. And I would love to, to have a chat with you about implementing that and tapping into that revenue stream that uh, maybe you're not utilizing as well as you should. So thanks again, guys. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. I look forward to seeing you all next week. Don't forget to leave me some breadcrumbs of what you want to hear. We'll talk about any topics that you want to talk about. Um, and of course, we'll talk about anything that pops up over the next week in uh, healthcare from a business perspective. So take care, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me. I'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for watching.